Julian, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today we are talking about last mile delivery. Uh, we had a couple of episodes where this was a topic already and it becomes more and more important as the e-commerce share is growing. Please introduce yourself and tell us what Aramie is actually offering. Yes, so thank you and a uh, pleasure to be on the on this podcast. So uh, my name is Julian Lee. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Airme. And uh, Airme is in essence a tech platform for e-commerce deliveries. So uh, we what we do is we integrate into the e-commerce checkout. Uh, so we're displayed as a shipping option on the checkout page. And uh, once a consumer chooses us as their preferred shipping option, then we get that order through our API uh, and we pick, go to the e-commerce warehouses, uh, we pick it up, uh, the parcel, and we take it to our sorting facilities where all these parcels are sorted uh, into different routes. Uh, and uh, once they've been sorted, uh, the couriers arrive at our sorting facility Uh, pick up the parcels that they're supposed to deliver and uh, deliver them according to according to the route that we set. Okay, just to get a better understanding on how you're integrated in the delivery process, uh, can you walk me through the customer journey of an Amazon order, for example? Um, because I, I, where do I see Ermi during the order process at Amazon, or do I see you at all? Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, Uh, we started working with Amazon actually last year. So as a consumer, uh, once you place a product, you add a product to the cart and you go to the checkout, you will see uh, us as a shipping option, right? You choose the shipping option if you want a home delivery or a collection point delivery, a locker delivery, and you will see us as an, as an option. Uh, and once you choose us, Uh, that's when we get the order through the API integration that we have with Amazon. Okay, let's wait for a minute here. So why would a customer choose you instead of the, of, of the um, standard delivery? Yeah, so, so we launched in, in Sweden in 2018 and, and the, the reasons, the main reasons why we've been able to grow is uh, one, speed and two, quality. And with quality, I mean precision and transparency around the delivery so the consumer can actually track our delivery in their mobile phone in real time and see exactly on the minute when their delivery will arrive. Uh, so it's a very seamless delivery experience. So let's stick with this Amazon order. So I've chosen you as a delivery option um, in the checkout. Um, then this kind of product I've ordered at Amazon might might be in Sweden already in an Amazon warehouse. What happens next? So uh, uh, as I mentioned, through our API integration, we get all those orders. So uh, since we, every day we, we know we're going to get orders, so we already have a vehicle, a truck scheduled to go to Amazon's warehouse and do a pickup each day. So uh, that truck will pick up all those parcels that are ours Uh, and take it to the nearest sorting facility that we have. So we have multiple of sorting facilities spread out uh, across Sweden and Denmark and Norway. How many, how many sorting facilities are we talking about? Uh, 
Uh, we have four main ones in in the largest cities, and then we have uh, a handful of others, other ones in smaller cities. So uh, we cover over 30 cities in Sweden right now. So you need an army truck from the Amazon warehouse to your sorting warehouse. And yeah. when it's like in the sorting warehouse and you have sorted the route, um, who's taking over then? You have, do you have delivery trucks and drivers who are driving uh, driving the parcel to my home? Yeah, exactly. So in our sorting facility, all these parcels, right, they're consolidated. So Amazon's parcels are consolidated with other e-commerce merchants that we have as customers. Uh, so they're all consolidated and sorted into the most efficient or optimal routes uh, that have been decided by our, our algorithm. Uh, so the couriers, uh, they arrive to our sorting facilities and these couriers are not employed by us. They're employed by carrier, carriers that we've contracted. Uh, uh, so we've contracted a number of carriers uh, uh, that perform these deliveries for us. Uh, so these couriers arrive to our sorting facilities and then pick up, could be anywhere from you know, 50, 60 parcels to 100 parcels. Uh, they load them into their van and then they uh, start their delivery route. Uh, How do I qualify as a as a courier? Could I could I just rent a van and and uh, register at Emmy and say okay I'd like to um, I'd like to hand over parcels in the Stockholm area? No, so in the Nordics, uh, it's much more difficult I would say compared to other countries to deliver uh, with a vehicle. Uh, you actually need to register a company and you need to have I think nine thousand euro in assets. And then additional additional couple of thousand euros per vehicle that you uh, own. So um, uh, and to get this certificate or permit from the government, you need to do a test and all that. So uh, so we don't we don't have a gig platform, you know, similar to Uber or these you know quick commerce um, startups uh, that can basically uh, contract anyone. So uh, we contract companies that actually have their own vehicles and employees. So. Okay, okay, got it. What I, what I don't understand um, yet is, so um, I'm living in Northern Germany. Here, Amazon is building uh, um, warehouses, um, even like sorting warehouses. It feels like they're building like one warehouse per week in Germany. And they are, they are employing like their own trucks, their own delivery suite, uh, um, uh, fleet, and they have even this kind of gig economy approach. So you can just register for Amazon. And when they started, this it was kind of weird. So everybody, every day there was like another delivery driver in some, in, in one was even coming with a Mercedes S-Class and I was wondering who is that uh, um, and he just unpacked Amazon parcels next day there was an, um, a very old Fiat <laughs> entering my farm uh, another delivery driver so why isn't that happening in Sweden so because so it, it sounds weird to me that there's even place for uh, for, for such a business Yeah, so the reason why you can't do that in Sweden is because of the this these regulations uh, that we have, and I think part of that is to ensure uh, fair working conditions, but also it might be part also to regulate competition uh, somewhat. Um, so uh, yeah, you need to contract these carriers that need to have this permit. Okay, that that I understand. So, um, and then then the customer is getting the parcel, and in in case of a return, he also could choose um, Army, I guess. Yes, exactly. So, uh, 
uh, in our app, the consumer can actually choose, click on return and schedule our return pickup. Uh, and then they usually place the parcel outside of their door and uh, we will come or one of our couriers will come to that consumer or that customer and pick up the parcel and uh, deliver it, take it back to our sorting facility and from there on back to the uh, merchant's warehouse. And why? I guess there's an equivalent of DHL in Sweden, so yeah. which is our main logistics company. Why isn't DHL doing the same thing? Because they, I guess, they have delivery trucks and uh, and uh, employees already. Yes, I think. Uh, I mean, as we've seen uh, see happening now, and we've seen it the past few years, the whole logistics industry is going from a you know very slow moving B to B industry, you know, a business to business industry, to becoming a very fast moving consumer-oriented B2C industry. Um, and, and this shift uh, is very, uh, the, the, the large legacy players have uh, challenges in, in, um, in making this shift uh, because consumers have completely different requirements and uh, needs when it comes to delivery. Um, so it's very difficult for them to provide a service that is consumer-friendly. For example, our delivery usually happens between 5 and 10 p.m. So the, the time slot is pretty narrow. Uh, usually, you know, with the legacy providers, it's, you know, within two days between 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, and you don't know when it's going to arrive. So uh, uh, it's this this uh, focus that we have on transparency and, and predictability uh, and speed uh, that, makes a, that creates a competitive advantage. Uh, for us how many employees do you have already uh, we have around 110 employees now uh, so most of those people are uh, in tech sales support uh, and not so much in um, or we don't have any couriers uh, in our uh, as employees right since we contract them okay uh, okay i got it and um and do you see other um, yeah logistics startups, let, let's say, uh, um, appearing in the market? So I'll give you like one example, what I'm, what we are seeing here, like in yeah. Berlin and Hamburg a lot of times. So we have now those ultra-fast delivery grocery services. So you can order something at Flink or Gorilla um, uh, and, and getting, it all, getting, it, getting it delivered within 15 to 30 minutes. Um, and there long-term goal is actually to become to become logistics hubs because earning money with such a service is rather hard so they want to become a platform and offering this kind of logistics capacity which eventually could be uh could be um could be connected with with an airme service um for example do you see similar things in sweden already yes i mean we have a gorillas type copy you could say that started up in sweden uh, not so long ago uh, so you could say there's two different segments, right? In the, the whole e-commerce delivery segment. One is the quick commerce, you know, 15, 30 minutes deliveries. Uh, and there we also have, you know, companies like deliver hero that do, uh, delivers from restaurants. And then they have, then you have the space that we are in, which is more same day, next day delivery, which is more distribution, right? It's, uh, uh, larger amounts of parcels uh, consolidated into large sorting facilities. Um, but as you say, I, I, uh, I, I definitely think that these two different segments will merge and consolidate uh, 
uh, within I don't know when, but uh, you know, five, ten years. Mm -hmm. uh, and and are you profitable on an order basis? Yes. So now we're actually completely. Uh, for the first time this year became uh, profitable uh, on the whole delivery business. So, uh, you know, including all the costs for picking up the parcels, sorting them, uh, you know, our support and the deliveries, we, we are, uh, so you could say excluding HQ headquarter costs, we are profitable now. And how does this kind of business scale? Would you need like in, in, in every area and every location you, you, you will expand, would you need another sorting warehouse or do you see um, a setup where other logistics providers are operating such sorting warehouses and you're only offering the platform? Uh, I think the, the, our business model now is that we need uh, to operate our own sorting facilities, although some of them are outsourced to, to some of the carriers we contract. But we need those uh, sorting facilities because there's a lot of has to do with optimization on when they do the sorting and how they do the sorting as well, because they use our technology, right? When they do the sorting, all the all the parcel are scanned. Uh, and when you scan them, you, you see which route they should go go into. Um, and and in what countries do you see expansion um, uh, expansion um, yeah. potential? You've said already Denmark, Norway. Yeah, so right so sure now uh, we launched in Denmark and Norway not so long ago, a few months ago, and we're looking at you know the other Nordic countries, which is Finland. So uh, the next, I would say, twelve months, we're kind of doubling down on the Nordics and uh, and continuing to you know establish ourselves here. Do do you see expansion space in more crowded countries like Germany or Netherlands? Uh, yes, I think. I mean, there are. Uh, I would say uh, globally, there are opportunities in, in this space because there aren't that many startups in this space uh, when it comes to you know e-commerce, same day, next day deliveries. I think part of that is just it's it's very difficult to start, right? Because it's kind of an industrial space you're in, you need these sorting facilities, you need large volumes uh, to not have a high burn rate. So uh, there aren't that, I wouldn't say, there aren't that much competition right now in this space. So What what we are seeing and what I'm definitely seeing is that the new grocery delivery services like Picnic um, in Netherlands or Knusper, part of the Rolex group uh, in southern Germany, they are essentially logistic companies so they're offering a service um, order now and within like three hours you're getting your groceries your eggs your milk whatever you want picnic is order is um, um, is um, offering a next day delivery and, and what are they doing different to edeka Rewe, and others so they control the whole logistics process they have their own trucks their own delivery drivers highly automated warehouses picnic announced yesterday to build a new one for 150 million Uh, uh, euros um, with a very very high automation degree so um, is this an area where where you see expansion potential and say okay there might be an um, there might be a, a demand in Denmark for uh, daily grocery deliveries and that is something you can easily operate because you have this warehouse already and you have the logistics and you know how to how to um, collect milk and all the other stuff uh, um, from uh, from the providers. Um, could that be an area to expand? Uh, yes, we actually have a service called Army Fresh that we launched launched last year. So we're doing deliveries for, you know, companies like HelloFresh and other 
types of uh, retailers that basically sell uh, groceries that need to be delivered with refrigerated vehicles. Uh, so that's a service we launched. So, uh, but we haven't, and I don't think we'll enter the space where we will do fulfillment uh, because it's a different space. I think, as you mentioned, it's a, uh, there are certain te- technologies where you and hardware that you need as, as, you know, such as automation, um, you know, fulfillment centers that are quite advanced. So, uh, but we'll see, you know, it might be something in the future, but right now we're uh, not focused on, on warehousing and fulfillment. Okay. Then let's talk about the last mile a bit, because mm-hmm. that seems to be a very tough nut to crack in many, uh, in many markets. It's a, it's a very costly, uh, process and, It's in, in the last mile process from DHL or Hermes in Germany um, had a very hard time keeping up with the e-commerce growth. Do you see the market development in direction that where kind of a last mile offering could be, okay, we deliver it here to our Airme boxes and then it's like two euros less or 10 crowns less in, um, in Sweden because it's much cheaper for you just to fill up like a new delivery box with like 100, 200 parcels or like a delivery container, a bit more, uh, um, something more, um, something, something more innovative, or do you see an even more granular delivery approach where like really every household, um, uh, welcomes an army truck every day or a DHL truck every day, which is like, especially in this very dense city areas seems to be a very hard problem to solve. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the last mile delivery, the first big problem or the first thing you need to solve as a startup or any company is you need volume, right? You need density uh, of these delivery stops to to make the economics work. And second, what's happened in countries, so, so just to take a step back, so the Nordic countries are very different from, I would say, any market elsewhere in the world because... In, in the Nordics, home delivery is a fairly new concept. So uh, we haven't had the problem or the challenges that, you know, London or Paris or New York might have faced, you know, where there's too many trucks, there's just too many parcels that are supposed to go to each home every day, you know. What, what, so what, is, in, what is the standard then? When so it is not home Sweden, delivery? Yeah, it's been the, the main method of delivery has been collection points. So since the state-owned PostNord have uh, had a very dominant position, similar to DHL in Germany, uh, the main method of delivery and the most cost-efficient way, I think, also partly because of this, the, the top topography of Sweden, which is it's a very low den- density country in, in terms of population. So the the most efficient way for them to deliver has been through these collection points where you basically drop off 100, 200 parcels at a grocery store. And then the consumer goes to that store and picks up their parcel. So this is now all changing with home delivery coming in as a new concept, uh, uh, you know, offered by startups like us. And there's also lockers uh, that have entered the space. So I think the last mile delivery space or the service will be uh, more and more fragmented as you know volumes increase and uh, consumers demand more and more convenience mm-hmm. okay so even in the in the furthest parts of sweden i can uh, i can have now my home delivery um, from amazon or are there still places where this doesn't make any sense and yeah, we have to I would go with the collection point 
Yeah, I would still still in Sweden in in very rural areas, it's still difficult to get a home delivery. Oh, okay. Uh, service. And, and and do you see a higher automation degree of these collection points? What we are seeing with uh, DHL boxes and Amazon bo uh, delivery lockers uh, in uh, in Germany in, in many places. I think it's also very popular in the in the US. So Ivan, I'm Ivan, uh, Eastern German background, and there was no um, home delivery. We also always had this kind of lockers in mm -hmm. the village. And then you get like a postal card uh, within your within your mail and uh, with a key uh, to the locker uh, where the where, where, where the parcel was uh, was in. So and, and I see tremendous potential like for higher automation um, lockers where you're not Uh, where you're not bound to the opening times of the um, grocery store, example, uh, for example, where where are we putting this kind of parcels? And it seems to be like a whole new logistic area where many startups have, have placed. But do you see something there? Because then Sweden seems to be the perfect place for reinventing this uh, this um, automatic automated um, locker thing because people are used to it already. Yes, and and you're exactly right. We've seen that trend with more automated. Uh, collection points basically so, so which is lockers placed in, inside these stores so you could say it's a digitalized form of collection points so um, what's happening now though but uh, but with these lockers you still need to uh, you know be aware of the opening hours of these stores because you can't access these lockers otherwise but what's happening now is there's a lot of several companies now opening up or building these lockers and placing them outdoors in residential neighborhoods. Uh, and th these are open networks. So uh, they're not a logistics provider. They just provide these lockers and for every, so anyone can, you know, use these lockers. So as we, as a logistics company would pay uh, this company, every time we put a parcel in one of these, uh, these lockers. So, uh, and the concept here is that these lockers are, Uh, a new version, right? Uh, an upgraded version because you have access to these 24-7 uh, and they're placed in residential neighborhoods. So um, uh, with time, you're going to have a you're going to have closer to these lockers than going to the store. And and how from a customer journey perspective? So how how would I how would I experience it from as a customer? Would you offer me okay, um, air me home delivery? Let's say five dollars, uh, air me locker delivery whoever the locker whoever operates the locker for euros because it's cheaper for you and therefore cheaper for the customer or ami next day locker delivery like three euro because that is something which we are still missing or and i don't get it why amazon is always like offering this prime setup yeah. i don't need most of the products next day i'm totally yeah. fine like saving one or two or three euros per delivery uh, and then they can all come on friday because actually i only have time on on the weekend to unpack and play around with the stuff I'm ordering. So is yeah. it something where you can differentiate a bit? Yeah, exactly. So uh, we, we're launching a, a collection uh, point service, as I mentioned, and also a locker service. Uh, so these uh, services will be visible and displayed in the checkout option, just as our home delivery option. Uh, and you will have a, a same day or next day delivery option. Um, And I think uh, to answer also your question, why Amazon is pushing the Prime and speed is because, I mean, I think they've, you know, they probably spent billions of dollars realizing that to get more market share, you need to push down the delivery time, right? 
because they have, yes, they have 50% of the e-commerce market, but of the total retail market, they only have a few percent, right? So, but if they see that, you know, if they, if they can provide a service where you can have all, basically everything you want uh, delivered to you within a couple of hours, then they're going to grab more and more market share from the total retail space and convert more consumers to become, you know, online consumers rather than physical retail consumers. Are you saying that Amazon has 50% market share in Sweden already? No, no, in the, in the US. Okay. Uh, so it's as if, uh, I would have been very US. surprised. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> now they're just starting. So, but I think that like speed is a very important factor in, and we see that with quick commerce, right? Once a consumer gets used to a certain speed, it's it's difficult to go back to how it used to be. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Um, aren't you afraid that, that bigger logistics company like the old incumbents you're you're talking about, or even Amazon, will take over your part of the business? Because today, um, the first touch point with the customers is a checkout um, yep. cart with a uh, with e-commerce player so you're easily replaceable or the e-commerce player can say okay i don't need airme anymore there's a cheaper service or there's um there i'm offering now the same service um on my own aren't you afraid of this kind of effect i think it will it's very difficult for these large logistics companies to provide the quality and the speed and the reliability of the service that we are providing now uh, but i think they will get there uh, but it's it's a process of digitalizing and automating a lot of the processes they have now. I mean, they have the disadvantage of not, you know, of starting their, they started their company when, you know, technology wasn't where it is now. Um, but I, I think also once they get to where we are, we're, we're also going to be much further. Uh, I mean, we're not in an end state. We're continuously you know if you know refining and, and developing our services and products yeah so i i, I totally um understand that so um, at the same time i'm looking on your website and i see like um, uh, a mock-up of your um RME app um mm. which i th which i guess is something um your customers are playing around uh with so they yeah. because they want to see where is my parcel when it's coming I, exactly. I, i'd like to reroute yeah. it so mm. do you chances to upgrade your business model into more services that you have like the first touch point with the customer you just had it like for returns so the more first touch points you you can generate with the customers the harder it is actually for your competition to uh, um, to get you out of this um, relationship yes exactly so we're we have a lot of ideas and, and uh, uh, plans to kind of get even closer to the consumer so we kind of seen that with the, a lot of the payment companies i mean the swedish company klarna you've seen them also make this journey from being a b2b pure b2b payment company to becoming almost a, a pure consumer company right uh, so i think the future the logistics company of the future will also be much closer and have a closer relationship and a tighter relationship with with the end consumer yeah Okay, what kind of services apart from return might that be for a company like you? Uh, I think besides deliveries in gen general, you know, to home lockers, collection point returns, uh, I th you know, it could be, you know, working with e-commerce merchants on different offerings to these consumers. Uh, it could be content of some sort. Uh, so I think there are many different ways here to... to to offer consumers an added value. Yeah. 
do, do you see something like, let's say um, there is an Amazon return. I've ordered mm. a headset or so, let's say mm. 50 bucks. And, and then um, the customer is saying, I don't want this headset anymore. And Amazon, instead of having it shipped back to their logistics center, unpack it, relabel it, offer it again, they could they could put out like a special offer. This kind of headset now 50% off because it's cheaper for them to just sell it in the area where the headset is. Uh, and you can control it because you you uh, you just take the headset from custom A and then it's um, sold within with a fifty percent discount to customer B. Do you see stuff like this will be possible in the future? Because right now it feels like there's like a lot of gray boxes like chip from A to B and there's a lot of lot of potential uh, not yet leveraged uh, um, um, because of the very old processes. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think you see a lot of, I think we're still very early on in that journey when it comes to the e-commerce and delivery experience. As you say, there are many different cases like this where you where you can optimize the whole experience and make it also more sustainable and cost efficient uh, in terms of delivery and returns and all that. So I think the the, the blocker right now is basically data and technology uh, that it, this requires... Uh, very good integrations and deep integrations between the logistics pro providers and the e-commerce merchants and you know knowing which item is where um you know the, the, the whole payment how that should you know be handled and all that so uh, i think as as e-commerce merchants and both logistics companies have more data uh, have better technology there's there are many more flexible uh, solutions and many many more ways of delivering you know whether it's to people, you know, in buses or to trunks, you know, car trunks that have been, you know, yeah. there's been tests with that as well. So, okay. Uh, though, as you're talking about like tests in car trunks, are there things that happened though you, you've seen in the last years in the logistics sector yet that, that did not work out where you say, okay, nice idea, but actually a bad idea when we are, when we see it in real yeah. life. Well, I think there are some things that haven't really scaled in ones is, of course, as I mentioned, deliveries to, to trunks, but also deliveries straight into the into the grocery or the, the refrigerator for groceries. Uh, I mean, it's there, but it hasn't really scaled. And it has to do with also locker, lock, the locks and all that, the door security and all that. And of course, drones have been you know, a topic for a few years now. Uh, yeah, remote rural areas in Sweden, that must be like drone case number one. So yeah, it must yeah. have been like the test market for it. Yeah, uh, but also another, I think uh, the technology is, isn't there yet. And, and the whole, I think a lot of these uh, possibilities are also dependent on the e-commerce merchant having very efficient fulfillment, uh, knowing where, which item should go where. And be able to like break that out in the fulfillment. Okay, got it. It's a super interesting market to to be honest. Uh, uh, very sad that we cannot experience anytime soon in the northern German uh, yeah. uh, market. We have to stick with Amazon and DHL uh, for <laughs> for the time being. Uh, but definitely, we we'll look into that when next time when I'm visiting uh, when I'm visiting uh, um, um, Stockholm. So uh, congratulations, achieving where you are and, and hope you will have like an, a very successful expansion year um, 2022 and uh, speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Bye.